I believe that God wants to breathe fresh air into our lungs to restore us again today. For those of us that feel like perhaps we are gasping for breath, that feel like perhaps the weight of the world is, is on our chest. Have you, ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever like driven out to the country, like, like, like gone way out there in the boonies like Wattsburg or someplace like that? And you get out of your car and you, and you take a deep breath, you know, you get away from the city, you get away from all the noise, you're like, finally I feel like I can, I can breathe. Has anyone ever said that? Like, I feel like I can breathe. Like maybe you, you've gone on, on a fall, crisp day out to the Finger Lakes or something like that, and just that crisp air, you're like, I feel like I can, I can breathe again. Uh, when Kristen and I lived in Orlando, it's just a rat race. It was like traffic everywhere, constant tourists, you know, coming in and out. Orlando had a little bit of a smell to it. But so we drive out to the coast to like St. Augustine someplace, just her and I, and we get out. And I, honestly, I think we'd say something like, I feel like I can just say it with me, breathe again. I think God wants us to feel that way when we come into his presence, like we can just breathe again. In fact, do this on the count of three, just take a deep breath. One, two, three, just breathe in. It just feels good, doesn't it? Unless somebody was smelling funky next to you. It's supposed to feel a little, little good. But I think there's some areas in our life where we don't feel like we can breathe. And I think in this series, God wants to address those. God wants to take us on this journey to restore us, to, to fill our lungs again with the breath of God, with his grace and mercy once again in our life. God, we pray today that you would meet us here in this moment. God, that you would help to restore those areas in our life where we feel like we are desperate, where we are gasping for air, like we, we just wanna give up, perhaps. So God, I pray that once again, that you will, you will help us to, to breathe, breathe out worry, anxiety, and breathe in mercy today. Breathe in this grace today that we have for our lives. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Everybody high five the person next to you and then have a seat. Hey, we're so glad that you are here. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, my name's Colby, I'm the pastor, and we're, we're starting this new series called, called Breathe. And you've, you've felt this way too, by the way. Like you've said these words, finally I can breathe. Maybe it was um, after you, you finished a project or a proposal at work that, that now is off of your desk and it's in their hands and you're like, you got done with it. You're like, man, I feel like I can, I can breathe again. Or maybe it was after final exams at school for some of the college students in the room. Like you, you stayed up all night, pulled all-nighters, lived on Red Bull and shots of espresso, right? And, and then you finish the exam and you're like, finally, I, I feel like I can, I can breathe again. Or maybe you're getting ready to go on vacation, right? And you, you park the, the work truck, you know, finally, you know, for the next 10 days, you're, you're free and you're off. You're like, I feel like I can, I can breathe. We, we all know what that feels like, to have those moments where we feel like we can rest, where we can catch our breath. But here's what I suggest. Some of us have moments in our life and areas in our life where we don't feel like we can breathe, where we feel like we are, are gasping for air, some of us in this room, and it could be in areas like our marriage, perhaps, where you feel like you can't catch your breath. Maybe it's in your finances, right? Where you're just living paycheck to paycheck and you, you don't feel like there's any room. And if I could just catch a break, then maybe I could, I could breathe again. We, we all know what that, that feels like. It could be in your faith. That you're here today and you just feel like you can't catch your, your breath. And if I could just have a moment, Colby, and, and rest and relax, but I don't feel like I can, 
but then I could catch my, my breath. For some of us, it's even gone so far as to feel like we're, our lungs are collapsing. Again, like the weight of the world is on our chest. Here's the amazing thing. God says that as followers of Jesus, those of us in this room who have made that decision, we are supposed to be a breath of fresh air into the communities and the world around us. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2.14, if you have your Bible. He said, go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society and provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. In other words, what it looks like to live a, a good life and a godly life. Paul is saying that, that you and I, when we go out into the world, we should be a breath of fresh air to the people around us, to our, our communities, to our city, to our family. Like when people come into contact with us, they should, they should feel like, man, I finally can breathe again. They, they should feel like, I want what they have. I, I want that kind of life, that that's what Paul is saying. That we're to be a breath of fresh air to, to people around us, that, that we should propel people by our breath, not repel people by our breath. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor right now and just breathe on them. No, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> but we're to be this breath of fresh air to people around us. Have you ever been around somebody that they weren't a breath of fresh air? Like, like if you spent five minutes with them, you were like, dear God, I want to go crawl into a hole right now. Like they didn't breathe life into you, they suck life out of you. And if you're sitting next to them, don't raise your hand right now, right? Like. You've been around that person? God says that we are to be a breath of fresh air around the, the people and the world that we, that we live in to, to, as a, we come into contact with others. Here's the problem with all that and what some of us perhaps in this room are thinking. Colby, how in the world can I be a breath of fresh air to people around me when I feel like I don't have any fresh air myself? You ever thought that? How can I be a, a breath of fresh air to, to those around me, when I feel like I'm, I'm gasping for air, I'm gasping, I can't even catch my breath. Here's what I wanna show us in the next few weeks, that there is a way for us to live at a higher level in our life. Not that you won't walk through difficult days, right? But, but that those difficult days don't have to own you. Not that you won't walk through tough seasons and challenging seasons in your life, but those don't have to attach themselves to you to where that now becomes your story. See, some of us, we are gasping for air, and that has become our story. And what was meant to be a season in our life has now become the story of our life. I don't know if you knew this, but when the Israelites left Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea, it was supposed to be an 11-day journey out of Egypt to the Promised Land. And what was supposed to be an 11-day journey turned into a 40-year season. Like, and they wandered around. They were never meant to wander around the desert for, for 40 years. And I say that to say, for some of us, what was meant to be a, a quick trip in your life has turned into a, a season and perhaps the story of your life. And that there's a different way for us, us to live. And I'm praying that through this, this series, right, I wanna, I wanna lead you and give you something that helps us reach a, a higher level to understand that God has more for our life, that there's this intangible power that helps us to live at a higher level no matter like the hell that you're going through, that you could be content no matter what you are, are facing, that, that that's not God's best for you, to feel like you're constantly gasping for air, to feel like your lungs are collapsing. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need 
and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any, somebody say any, and in every, someone say every. In any and every. Paul is saying, hey, like just in case, you know, you didn't get it, any, I'm going to add every to it. He's like, I don't want you to miss this. That in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, he says, I've discovered something that allows me to be content, that allows me to have this fresh air in my lungs, this, this peace in my lungs, no matter what I am walking through. Now, here's what you have to realize. Paul wrote this from prison. Like prison, prison. Not like a metaphorical kind of prison, not like a prison he's locked in his mind, but like prison, prison. He wrote any and every situation from prison. I say that because some of us, we wake up and go to Starbucks and they got our order wrong and it ruins our day. I'm, I'm telling the truth today. Like, and it ruins us. And we're like, man, it's a terrible day. They, you know, they didn't give me enough shots of espresso or they didn't froth my milk correctly or whatever they do. You know, I, where's my little foamy heart thing? And it like ruins our day. Paul said in any and every situation, or you'll go to work on Monday and someone's moved your stapler and you knew they moved your stapler because when you left on Friday, you put it at a perfect 90 degree angle at the top corner of your desk. But when you arrived, it was at more like a 78 degree angle, right? You're like, it's going to be a terrible day. Paul from prison said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. You know what? Some scholars believe that he was in a particular prison in Rome where it had uh, two chambers, an upper chamber and a lower chamber. And the way you got into the lower chamber, the lower dungeon, was to be lowered by a rope into that chamber. And what they did was they kept the rope around you at all times. Why did they do that, PC? I'm glad that you asked. Is because that if they ever got heavy rains in that area, it would, like, it would flood the sewer system and it would flood with sewage like from the city, that lower chamber. So they'd have to be raised up so they didn't drown in the sewage of the city. Paul says in any and every situation. From there, I've learned a secret. I've learned what it is to be content. Here's the question, how could Paul, like a man, write that? Be able to pin those words to the Philippian church in any and every. He didn't say, well in some situations I've learned, but not in others. He didn't say in these, you know, but not in those, in a few, you know, but not in these, uh, in all situations, except for the time I was shipwrecked and not that one, or the time I was bitten by a snake, or, or the time I was flogged or whipped or stoned. He didn't say that, right? He said in any and every situation, he could find contentment no matter what he's going through. But some of us, come on, let's be honest, we feel like we're stuck, we feel like we can't breathe, perhaps. We feel like we are, are gasping for air, like our, our lung has, has collapsed. In fact, when I say, uh, like you're gasping for air, some of you are like, Colby, you are reading my mail. Like, were you at my house this week? And no, I was not at your house this week. I was with God, and God was at your house this week. And I just do my best to tell you what he tells me. And for some of us, we're stuck. I just want to say there's just another level to living that God wants us to have that in any and every situation, we can be this fresh of breath air to those around us. But probably more scary than, than being stuck, some of you, you're stuck and you don't even know you're stuck. Uh, when I first started working at SeaWorld, 
Some of you know I was an animal trainer there, and we'd have to prepare like all this, this fish all the time, and it, would, it smelled like for the first you know, month, two months, it was just this, this terrible smell all the time until I got used to it. But then Chris and I, we got married, and we started to live you know, together, and I would come home from work, and she'd be like, uh-uh, you ain't coming in this house, you know, like smelling like that. You smell nasty. You better take those clothes off. And, and we just got married, so I was happy to oblige, by the way. I'm like, yes, ma'am. But I couldn't smell it anymore. I got so used to that smell, right, that I couldn't smell it. Some of you, you're so stuck, you can't even smell it on you anymore. You don't even know you're stuck. You've been living this way. You've been gasping for air in certain areas of your life and you've just resigned to the fact that, well, this is just my life. This must be how it is. I'm just gonna continually live this way and I wanna say that's not how it is. That God wants us to live at a whole new level and that he allows us to do that through his spirit and we're gonna talk about that before I get there though. Today I feel like we have to deal with some symptoms some symptoms of a, of a, a collapsed lung. How, how do I know, Colby, if I'm stuck? How do I know if I'm gasping for air or, in fact, if I am breathing in the fresh air of God's grace into my, my life? I'm entitling this message, Symptoms of a Collapsed Lung, if you want to jot that down. Symptoms of a Collapsed Lung. You know what happens when your lung collapses? There's actually this... Uh, and some of the doctors in the room can explain this probably a little bit better than me, but there is this... this um, it's when the space between your lung and your chest wall gets penetrated and that pressure gets in there. And so what it does is it collapses your lung because the difference in the pressure between inside the lungs and outside is different. And so it collapses the lung down. And some of us, we feel like we are gasping for, for breath because our lungs have collapsed spiritually. And so I wanna, I'm determined to give us some things that help identify that today so that you and I can breathe, can breathe, but real quick, I need to say this today, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of surgery because that's what a collapsed lung takes. It takes a little bit of surgery and I don't really have time to give you anesthesia. Are you gonna be okay? Like, like you come back next week and I promise I'll be encouraging and you'll leave here going, man, I love this guy. This week, I'm not sure what you're gonna say about me when you leave. But I promise God that if he would give me a microphone and a platform, then I would do my best to help people. And this is gonna help you. You know how when your, your trainer pushes you at the gym, he or she pushes you at the gym and it hurts and you don't like him? He's doing it to help you. This is gonna feel like that a little bit today because I think we need some help in these areas of our lives where we're stuck and some of us maybe don't even realize it. And so the first symptom that you have a collapsed lung is this, jot it down, is we start faking it. Start faking it. We start pretending. We start manufacturing joy, manufacturing peace, pretending that, that everything is okay. Jeremiah 6, 14 says this, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And there's no peace there. You start faking it. In fact, this passage in Jeremiah is addressed to preachers, to people who would speak on behalf of God, and God is saying, hey, my people are dealing with stuff. Like they're dealing with some real hurts, they're dealing with some real challenges, some real pain in their life, and you're pretending like it's no big deal. You're just kind of, you know, just glossing over it. You're just, you're saying, you know, peace, peace, when there really is no peace. That something is, is going on, you're not taking it 
seriously. And God is saying, no, it, it is a big deal. It's very serious. You're just trying to put a, a Band-Aid, right, over a, a gaping wound. Or somebody said a Band-Aid over a, a bullet wound. That's what it seems like. And whenever you and I get to that place in our life where we have some issues that we're dealing with and we start faking it, hey, we're in trouble. That's a, that's a dangerous place to be. And some of us, we're there today. You could be faking it in all different areas of your life. It could be in your marriage. You're faking it. I know you haven't left. You're still at home, but you're faking it. You don't feel anything in your heart anymore. It could be areas in your faith. Like this is maybe your, your last ditch effort and you're just, you're just showing up here. I'm gonna go one more time to see what this is all about kind of thing. But you're, you're faking it. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're faking it. And you come here and you know everything to do. You know everything to say. You know when to stand up and sit down. You know when it's appropriate to clap or not clap. You know when it's appropriate to say amen, you know, or not. But at the same time, there's no real connection. Nothing is alive in here, in your soul. You're faking it. You see other people worshiping God. And you're like, I don't even know what they're doing. You ever felt that way? I don't even know what's going on. I'll, why are they, they doing that? You know, they're seemingly having this encounter with God, but you don't feel anything because we're faking it. And I'm not getting on you, by the way. I am you. Like, I, I need you to know that. Like, I faked it too. I don't always feel the presence of God in my life. I want to. I'm desperate to, but I don't always feel that way. We're faking it. And the Bible says that, that Jesus is our shepherd, right? And that we are his sheep. The danger is you can become a professional sheep. Somebody help me preach this thing, right? Can't you? You know what I'm talking about? Where you know what to say, you know all the right words to say, you know the Christian ease, you know, you know all the, the things that sound good to say in church, like, hey, brother, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm good, you know, redeemed by the blood of the lamb, which, which makes no sense to someone outside the church. You're like, blood of the lamb, what is that? Like, stop that, you're in blood? You know, that's, it makes no sense to people outside the church. But we know the right things to say. We know what to do. In fact, we even know how to serve, perhaps, but at the same time, we're dead on the inside. There's no connection. There's no relationship. We are, are faking our way through it. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge any of us here. I'm just saying it's a dangerous place to be when you and I start faking our way through this thing and pretending like everything is okay, which is why, by the way, we push groups like, you gotta get in a group. You gotta get in a group. Not because we want some small group empire coming out of this church. It's because it could save your life. You need some people in your life where you can take the mask off and say, hey, this is the real me. This isn't the Facebook me. This isn't the Instagram me. This isn't the me that I let everyone else see in the world. This is the real me. Bumps, bruises, warts, struggles, and all. You gotta have those people in your life. If you don't have those people in your life, you're in trouble. You gotta have people where you stop faking. And by the way, I have to have those people too. I want you to know that. If you think you found a church where the pastor has arrived someplace, this is the wrong church, all right? Because I haven't. Because I'm still a sheep myself. And while I'm called to lead, I'm, I'm the technical, ter technical terms like an under shepherd, I'm also a sheep who hurts, who deals with things, and then as I'm doing my best to lead, I'm also, I, I, I'm a sheep. I'm a follower as well. You have to have those people in your life where you, you take off the mask 
So get in a group, get around people, because none of us, by the way, are exempt. There's no one in this room that's exempt from that. Like, I don't care how good you look on the outside. I don't care how good your portfolio is right now. No one is exempt from that. I don't care what, what things look like. You could be faking it. And the Bible says what, what we uncover, God will cover with his grace. In other words, God only heals what's exposed. And so you need to get around some people where you can expose those things in your, your life. But we start faking it. And then what happens is we know we should deal with it, but we don't. So here's the second symptom of a collapsed lung spiritually is we put it off. Jot that down. We put it off. We procrastinate. We put it off till another day or another time. We don't want to deal with it. That thing that's in our life. And Paul encourages us in Ephesians 5, 6, 15 and 16. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of what's that word? Every opportunity, not just good ones, not just right ones, not just uh, it came at the right time and it, and it worked out that way. He says every opportunity today, hey, listen to me, is another opportunity. Is this another chance for you to say, I'm not gonna fake it. I'm gonna deal with these things. I know that that thing in the back of my mind that I've been, been stuck on, that I've been struggling with, that I feel like I'm gasping for air, I know that I have to address that. And by the way, I'm not being very intentional with what that could be in your life because I believe the Holy Spirit will be very intentional with you on what that is. But we need to stop faking it and putting it off. Paul says, hey, don't live that way. Like make the most of every opportunity. I think this is another opportunity for you to deal with some of that. Otherwise, what happens is, is you end up living out of season. Like, like what was meant to be something that you dealt with in the last season because you didn't deal with it, you've brought that into this season in your life. What do you mean, Colby? Here's what I mean. You didn't deal with what broke the marriage in the last season. You didn't deal with the cause of that. And so maybe here you are in this new season trying to get into a new marriage or a new relationship, but because you didn't deal with what, what broke the marriage in the first season, you're just bringing that with you into the next season because you haven't dealt with it. Like, like we're living out of season because we're putting things off that we know we should, we should address. I signed up for the Beast on the Bay. Anybody else sign up for the Beast on the Bay? Okay, all right. I know, I signed you up, and I signed my wife up too. We signed up our staff, you know, for the Beast on the Bay. We're gonna kind of run it together as a team. And I signed up a while ago, and I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I'm like, I gotta run. I gotta do something. I gotta train a little bit. So all of July, I'm gonna run in July. How many times do I run in July? One time. Don't look at me that way. You do the same thing. Every single one of you, you're gonna start that diet again tomorrow, aren't you, for the hundredth time? I know what you're saying, it's Monday. But I put it off, put it off, and so finally, like this week, August, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something. I signed up for this dumb thing, so I gotta, I gotta train a little bit. And so I started working out, started running a little bit, and you know what I discovered? My chest was hurting. Like, I can't breathe. You know, this is terrible, why? Because I'm out of season. Out of season, I have to build my endurance back up. I, I need to, because I'm not operating, you know, the same way. And I say that for some of us in this room, we are out of season in our lives because we didn't deal with that thing from our past and we've, we've brought it with us. And so, so we can't get into the next season that God has for us until we deal with what's in our last season. And some of us are, are pretending and we're faking it. And so we, we put off dealing, and it could be, that God wants to pour blessing and favor into your life. 
but because you didn't deal with it in the last season. Like everything that you are, are going through is preparing you for the next thing that God has for you. So we put it off and we put it off and we put it off. We don't embrace, you know, what it is that we need to, to deal with. And what ends up happening is an 11-day journey turns into a 40-year season. Like don't let that happen to you. Don't, don't put it off because here's what, what ends up happening next as we identify these symptoms is that we give up. Jot that down. We just give up. Like we quit. Like because we get to that place where this thing that, that we, we've been putting off becomes so big in our life, you know what I'm talking about? That we don't wanna deal with it. We don't even know how to deal with it. We feel like it's so insurmountable that there is no hope for us to get beyond it. Like Job, Job said, where is my hope? He said, where, where, who can see any hope for me? And for some of you, that's the way that you feel today. And again, maybe you came to church and this is your last ditch effort. You're like, one more shot because you feel hopeless. And I need to tell you, you don't have to live that way. That you can be filled with hope. That you can be filled with the, the breath of God in your lungs. That you don't have to give up. But some of us, you've given up. You're here, but you've given up. Because you're here because it's a box to check. Maybe you're here because, you know what, I've given up on God, but maybe I'll find a little bit of practical wisdom for living. Maybe I'll get a little bit of inspiration or encouragement. But for all practical purposes, you have given up. Some of you have given up on believing you can ever have margin in your finances. And you've resigned to the fact that, well, this is just my life. I'm just going to live in debt. It's just going to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And that might be what it is, but that's not what it has to be. Like, God doesn't want you to live that way, but we, we give up. And what happens is, eventually, some people don't just give up, they, they die. And I don't mean physically die, although that happens, but something dies on the inside. Where we no longer feel God, we no longer feel his presence, we don't feel the breath of God in our life. Paul felt this way. Even the guy who said any and every Situation. He felt this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. There's pressure on the outside, you know, trying to get in into our lungs, trying to collapse our, our lungs far beyond our ability to endure so that we even despaired of life. Paul said, I was under such pressure that I didn't want to live anymore. Some of you are there. Like, I didn't even want to go on. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And some of you feel this way. You would say, Colby, you have no idea what I'm facing. Like, you don't know uh, how hard it is. I'm in this dark place. You don't know what I'm, I'm dealing with. And some days I feel just like Paul, like I want to give up. I feel the sentence of death, which is why, by the way, you, you see people that, that have all the stuff that you think would make them happy, take their own lives. Like, because what happens is they fake it. They first start faking it. They're like, they have the house, they have the car, you know, they have everything that you would think that makes them happy on the outside. They're, they're pretending, but on the inside, they're like, why do I feel like I'm dying inside? Or, or the, the, they started a business and it's successful. You know, it's great. The margins are great. Everything is up and to the right. They're hiring. They're expanding. But at the same time, they're like, why do I feel so empty inside? Because they're faking it. They're pretending. And then they give up because they're like, well, what if everybody finds out I'm a fraud? 
Who can I talk to? Who can I open up my heart to? Who can I, who can I share this with? My hurts and my feelings. And what if one piece of the puzzle falls out and it all comes tumbling down like a, a game of Jenga, right? So I'm not going to deal with this thing today. Uh, I'm going to do it tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And we keep putting it off until something else dies inside of us. And this is what happens. We'll hear something like this, a message like this, and we'll think, all right, you're right. Nicole, you're right. I got to do some things. I have to do some external things in my life to, to make a difference. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to church more. That's going to fix it. I'm going to pray more. Uh, I'm going to serve more. And we start to put all these external things in place thinking that's going to fix what's broken on the inside. And I'm not saying external things are bad. Like external things that draw you closer to God, those are good. Kristen and I have some external things in our marriage that are, are, are good things. They're not bad things. Like, like I, I, I never will be alone with another woman. I just won't do it. Like not because, like, uh, because I, I just feel like if you're ever alone with someone of the opposite sex, like if you're never doing that, you don't have to worry about injuring the relationship, right? So I'm just never gonna do that. That's a boundary that we have. I'm never gonna go have lunch with someone. I'm not, I'm not gonna travel by myself if I can help it. Kristen has full access to my cell phone, my, my email, to text messaging, anything on social media. She has all the passwords, right? Like there's nothing that's hidden. Some of you are like, Colby, can we move on past this because it's making me really nervous right now. Like I don't have anything to hide. Nothing is hidden. And it's not because... Um, I stood before church and God and my father who was part of our wedding ceremony and said, for better, for worse. It's not because I said, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with duty or responsibility. It has to do with the fact that I love her. It's not out of, out of duty. It's out of delight. It's not a I have to. It's I, I want to do this. I, I get to do this. I don't do any of those things, you know, so, so she'll be happy with me. It's because I love her. Are you with me? And for some of us, we've, we've read this verse over and over and over where Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And depending on what background you're from, you might read that and, and, and remember back to how it was read to you. If you love Jesus, you will obey his commands. You're like, all right, well, I'm gonna obey. I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna pray more. In fact, whenever I pray, I'm gonna get on my knees because I think if my, I'm on my knees and my knees are hurting, then God probably likes that more, you know, when I pray. And so that's what I'm going to do. Hey, 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 you're reading it wrong. Jesus is saying, hey, if you love me, like when you really love me, you'll want to obey. It's not a I have to, it's I, I get to. He says when you really love Jesus, you'll want to worship more. You'll want to pray more. You'll want to center your life and your, your heart around him. It's not like you, you have to. It's, it's, it's that we, we get to. Listen, when you fell in love with your, your spouse and you were dating, no one told you, you know, you had to stay up all night on the phone, you know, till, you know, 3 a.m., you know, knowing you had to get up early the next day and you're like, because you didn't want to hang up and like, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. I just want to hear you breathe. <gasps> no, no one had to tell you to do that, right? Like, because you were in love. No one said, hey, you should stay on the phone for five more minutes because that's really going to mean something to them. 
Like no one had to say when you first got married and you were, you were too broke to go to a restaurant that you packed up a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and went out to the park and had a picnic together, right? Because you were too broke to go to a restaurant and include a tip, you know what I'm talking about? Or when you first got married, you're in your little apartment and you're cooking up some ramen noodles, you know, they're 35 cents a pack, they're even cheaper if you buy them, you know, in a, in a dozen kind of thing. Why? Because you were in love. And I say that because I think somewhere along the way, we've forgotten as a church, the message of the church has been um, obey God and follow his commands. And we forgot to tell people the first thing you need to do is fall in love with Jesus. Because when you fall in love with him, like all that stuff comes as a, as a result of. Like you want to worship. You want to pray. You want to seek, seek God. You want to center your life around him, and you fall in love with him. But to breathe, to really kind of breathe in the fresh air of God's grace, we have to reconcile a hard truth. And I'm gonna end with this. I'm gonna have the band come back out. Um, But I want you to know something. I even wrestled with, should I share this? Because this isn't popular. This This is not an easy truth, but it's something we have to reconcile, and here's why we have misdiagnosed the issue. We've misdiagnosed our, our collapsed lung. What you've done, you've, you've gotten on Google and you've gotten on WebMD, you know, you've gotten on Facebook and you've let everyone else tell us what's, what's wrong with us, what's, what's going on inside of us. In fact, we, we bought into a lie that's out there. And unfortunately, even some preachers, you know, have, have perpetuated this lie. Here's the lie that we believe. The Inherently, we are good people. That at our core, we're good. Now, we might do some good things, but here's what we all need to know. We're not good. Like, at our, at our core, we are, we are not good. Jeremiah 17 says this, that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Now, again, this is a hard truth. This is not, this is not popular. But at our core, we're not good. We, we've seen it in the last 24 hours, a little more with, with the recent shootings. We're, we're, we're not inherently good. Now, we've made a lot of advancements, and people would like us to believe that, you know, we're good, and we do some, some great things. There have been some amazing advancements in technology, like unbelievable. There have been advancements in, in science, some unbelievable advancements made there. But with all of those advancements that we've seen in our world, we've only invented more sophisticated ways to sin. Because at our core, we're not good. Inherently, we're not good. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone in this room. It's just a hard truth that we have to resolve in our own heart. And here's why. If if inherently I'm good, there was no need for the cross. If I'm good, Like, if I'm good, God should apologize to his son because I didn't need a savior if inherently I was good. Are you with me? If if I'm good at my core, then I didn't need Jesus to die. I didn't need his sacrifice because I could save myself because I am good. If I'm inherently good, I don't need to be here with you. I don't need church. Maybe we just came to get some nice motivation, maybe some encouragement, maybe some proverb or some wisdom for a living, but if inherently I'm good, I don't need 
any of it, but I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. And in, inherently in my core, I'm not good. I didn't just need a nice talk. I needed a savior to rescue me, to save me. I didn't need just a good message, right? I needed a life wrap because I was sinking and I was drowning in my own sin. And apart from Jesus, I needed saved. And it's not my righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ that has been applied to my account that saves me because at my core, I'm not good. Inherently not good. None of us are. And it's something that we have to resolve in our heart. Like to understand why our lungs are collapsing, why we feel like we can't catch our breath, is that you and I, we're not good. There's only one good, and that is God. And apart from him, we can do nothing. See, here's what's gonna happen. When I get to heaven, because that's where I'm going, by the way. When I get to heaven, I'm not gonna say, here's why I should come in, God. Because we have this great church and that's, that's, that's doing a lot of good things in our community that, that's, that's given away millions of dollars into our city because we will. That's given away millions of dollars around the world to help build the kingdom because we will. Like, I'm not going to say that, that you should let me in because we've seen marriages restored. We've seen addicts set free from addiction, right? I'm not going to say any of that. I'm going to say the only reason that I should come in is because I was bad, but God is good. And his goodness covers my badness. Nothing to the cross, you know, nothing that I bring, but simply to the cross I cling, right? That's it. And again, I don't say that to condemn anyone in this room. I just promised God that if he'd give me one of these and he'd give me one of these, that I would tell the truth. I'd preach the truth, and that's the truth. That apart from God, inherently in our core, we're bad. And we needed a savior to rescue us. And that's where really it begins. If you want the fresh breath of God in your life again, it, it starts there. It starts there. Let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes all across this room? Don't shuffle off, don't move. Because again, we know what to do right now. We know it's almost time to go. And I wanna beat the rush, I gotta go get my kids and make sure I'm, I'm first in line so we can get out of here and go eat roast beef. But please don't do that. I believe this is a holy moment for some of us to get some things right in our life. Some areas that we've been pretending, that we've been faking it. Some things perhaps that you've been putting off, addressing and dealing with because you're afraid of what others might think. Who can you trust? Maybe some areas that you just feel like you, you've given up that are, are dead inside. I think God wants to breathe new life back into your lungs. And he wants to breathe fresh air once again into your life so that you can be fresh air to the world around you, to the community around you. For some of us, maybe we are, are spiritually dead. You've never allowed Jesus, his death on the cross, to pay for the debt of sin that we carry, which we all carry, by the way. The difference is for followers of Jesus, for Christians, they've allowed Jesus to pay for it. They've allowed his death on the cross to be the, 
the atonement for our sins, the, the, the covering for our sins. And I want to give you a chance to do that today. The Bible says that it's through prayer that we repent of our sin. We confess Jesus as Lord. And as we do that and believe that God raised his son from the dead on the third day, that we too would be raised to new life. We would have this fresh air come into our hearts to restore us, to redeem us, to once again breathe fresh breath into our, into our life. For some of you, that's where you need to start today. And it's nothing that you're bringing before God. It's nothing that you can do to earn it, but it's all what God has done through Jesus for you. All you have to do is receive that and believe that in your heart. You say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying right along with you. This is why I'm here. No one's looking around. Would you right now just be bold and lift your hand high and just say, here I am, God. I need you to breathe fresh air into my lungs, into my heart. I surrender my life to you. Praise God for all of you. God bless you, God bless you. Put your hands down, just, just say something like this. You can use my words, you can use your own words. You can whisper it to God, you can say it in your heart. Just say something like, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you that, that I can't bring anything to you because you've done it all for me and that your death covers my sin, past, present, and future. And so I confess you as Lord. Tell him that again. I confess you as Lord. And I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead. So right here and right now, you're breathing fresh air into my heart and into my life. The old is gone. The new has come in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys. Celebrate big. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.